This is the Build Wealth Canada podcast, episode number 77. Welcome to the Build Wealth Canada podcast, where it's all about becoming debt-free, accelerating your wealth, and taking control of your money. Now, here's your host, Cornell Schreiber. Hey, it's Cornell, and welcome to the Build Wealth Canada show. More than half of Canadian adults don't have a will, which can cause additional legal costs, family conflict, and unnecessary legal battles. Unfortunately, getting your will done is something that's very easy to procrastinate on, as it can be a hassle to set up meetings with a lawyer, ask those difficult questions, and be involved in all the back and forth that's required when setting up a will the traditional way by meeting with a lawyer face face-to-face. As many longtime listeners of this show know, I'm a big fan in technology companies that help automate or at least make it a lot easier to do some of the more tedious but important things that we need to get done. So in this episode, I'm excited to bring on Daniel Goldgut, a former tax and estate planning lawyer here in Canada, who together with his team over at epilogwills.com has created a tool that you can use to get a will created in as little as 20 minutes. And it's definitely a lot less expensive than what I pay to have our will done with a lawyer years ago before this tool existed. We also cover what the top mistakes are that Canadians do when creating a will, as well as how and when to properly update it when different events occur in your life. We also cover designating a power of attorney and how to ensure that your will is actually legally enforceable here in Canada. And if you want to check out the tool that Daniel and his team have built, you can go to buildwealthcanada.ca slash will. So just W-I-L-L. And Daniel's been kind enough to also provide Build Wealth Canada listeners with a $20 discount if you choose to use the service. And to get that, just use the promo code buildwealth20, all uppercase. So that's buildwealth20. There's no affiliate or commissions for me on that. It's just a straight $20 off for all Build Wealth Canada listeners. So definitely check it out at buildwealthcanada.ca slash Will, W-I-L-L. And now let's get into the interview. All right, Daniel, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So to start things off, why is having your will important? And what are the main negative consequences that we may encounter if we don't have one set up correctly? So having a will is really important because, I mean, as you know, everybody is going to die. And the only way to make legally binding decisions about what happens with your stuff when you die is to have a will. It's the only opportunity that you have to make those choices. If you don't have a will, then the province where you are, we're in, we're in Ontario, but the province where you are in Canada is going to decide what happens with all your stuff. And that's been the same for, for a number of years in terms of what that distribution looks like. And generally speaking, it's not what people want it to be. And so sort of the, the, the simplest answer is the will gives you choice. It, it puts the decision-making in your hands to say, who do I want to get my stuff? And also, which is very important, who do I want to be uh, in control of that process? Because the will is where you're going to name an executor, someone to manage that process. It's someone that you trust. And if you don't do that, then someone in your family or someone in your life needs to apply to the courts to be put into that role. And you know that's time-consuming, that's stressful, that's expensive. And so there's a lot that you achieve in, in having a will. Mm-hmm. And I can see that too. There might be some disagreement of, within the family of who's going to be executing it. And yeah, I guess it can cause quite a big mess if things aren't actually laid out very clearly for everyone to understand. 
Yeah, absolutely. And 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 in a will, it's very straightforward, right? You, you you name the person, that person knows, and that person applies to court. And if that's not the case, you're you're just you're just opening up the possibilities, both in terms of who the executor is going to be and people being upset about the distribution. Uh, if you haven't written anything down and people don't know what your wishes are, you're really just leaving the opportunity for uh, for disagreements and for uh, discomfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see it being a big cause of a uh, family conflict, right? If, if something isn't spelled out correctly. And yeah, I, that, so it's, you're sort of alleviating that stress from your family as well, just by doing it, uh, by having one in place. That makes sense. And what are some of the most common or most critical mistakes that Canadians make when it comes to their will? And how can we remedy them? So, I mean, this is, it's, it's uh, the, the answer is actually going to be quite simple. And the biggest mistake that people make is not having a will at all. Uh, the statistics are out there. It's more than 50% of Canadian adults that don't have a will. That, that's the biggest problem that we're seeing is that people don't have it. Um, when people actually go through and take the steps to make wills, um, not all the time, because of course there's, there's estate litigation and there's issues that come up. But, but as a starting point, having a will is going to, is going to take away a whole bunch of issues that get created. Um, beyond that, you know, one of the issues that, uh, so I'm, I'm a lawyer and when I, practiced. I was an estate planning lawyer. One of the things that you see is that sometimes people make decisions and then they don't tell anyone about them. And so you may have a a perfectly legitimate reason for doing what you're doing, but if you don't let anyone know what that reason is, you're leaving the possibility that, that that there's conflict after. Let's say you've chosen to give one child more than the other or something like that, or you've chosen to name one child to be your executor and not all of your children. That might be exactly what you wanted to happen. But if you don't tell people that that's what, that's what you've written down and that's what your wishes are, you're just leaving the opportunity for there to be conflict. And is the reason that you think maybe so few Canadians actually have a will is because if somebody is, let's say, you know, in their 30s, 40s, 50s maybe they're not really thinking about dying yet they're assuming their life expectancy is going to be let's say in the 80s and so it's sort of on that to-do list but to do sometime in the future and then something happens unexpectedly and then you know there is no will do you think that's why the when that's one of the reasons why so many Canadians don't have a will it's definitely a part of it without question I mean um, people think they're too young they think they don't have enough assets um, what we hear a lot is people people are waiting to do the one perfect will. Um, mm. They want to wait until they've had all of their kids or they've made a certain amount of money. Um, and they say, I'm just going to wait because I'll do my will then and then I'll never have to change it. It'll just be sort of the perfect will that exists. Um, the reality is a will is a document that can be changed and should be changed so that it constantly reflects um, your wishes at the time. And so if you have you know, one child and you're planning on having more children, it doesn't mean don't make a will until you've had all your children. Make a will right now that sets out what you want to happen um, if something were to happen to you, you know, tomorrow. And if in a year or two years, your, your circumstances change, your family changes, you can update your will and change it. So we, we see a lot of that, you know, too young, not enough assets. Um, and then there's, you know, there's, there's other factors, right? The time that it takes, the cost, um, the inconvenience. Um, it's the kind of thing that people, I'll say, don't want to do. And then when mm-hmm. you start to layer on some of these other things, it becomes a really easy thing to procrastinate. Mm-hmm. I'll, you know, I'll do it next year or I'll do it in two years. I'll do it in five years. Uh, and then you just keep pushing it down the line, right? No one knows when they're going to die. So there's not, you know, it's not like your taxes, which you might not want to do, but there's a deadline, 
right? right? And fees associated and yeah. Yeah, and penalties <laughs> if you don't. So there's yeah. like there's a day that like as much as you didn't want to do it all year, today's <laughs> the day because you've got no other choice and you do it. With a will, it's not like that. There is no deadline. Um, so it's it's internal. You, you know, you're you're trying to convince yourself that today is the day to do it. And so you know, lots of reasons why people don't do wills. I mean, you know, we exist and we're trying to, you know, fill a gap or fill a need um, to reduce the time and reduce the cost and the inconvenience to empower more Canadians to do this, um, to get estate planning in place. Uh, But certainly there will always be a lot of people that will just continue to push this stuff. I can see that. I mean, it seems like the traditional approach has been, okay, you call a few lawyers, you get some, maybe some quotes, then you actually have to maybe go over there. Now with COVID, that's even more difficult or more inconvenient potentially. And it's, yeah, like you said, such an easy thing to procrastinate. And I found too, I know when we did ours, you get asked certain questions that can actually make you feel a little bit uncomfortable because nobody wants to you know, <laughs> talk about their death and what your preferences are and who's going to get what. And, you know, what if your spouse remarries, you know, things like that. These, are, these can be pretty uncomfortable conversations. So I can see it just makes it a prime thing to procrastinate on, even though the consequences are so severe if you don't have one done. So before we go any further, though, for anybody that hasn't heard of you guys uh, or hasn't heard of you or haven't heard of Epilogue before, can you give us a bit of a background on what you do? Since it seems like you've made this whole process a lot easier for Canadians, where it is less of a hassle, it is easier to update. And so it's no longer this big, overwhelming thing that you keep pushing back, pushing back uh, to your own detriment. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, for starters, uh, I'm a lawyer. I practice in Toronto doing corporate tax and estate planning work. My co-founder, Aaron, also a lawyer. We actually worked together at the same firm for a number of years. And we saw firsthand that people struggle to get their wills done. Uh, And that's all people. Um, It's just, as I said, for all of these reasons that I outlined before, people just don't do it. Um, Or or maybe they start the process, but they don't get it done. And so we knew from practicing in this area that this was the kind of thing that could be I'll say simplified and automated uh, if done right. And so ultimately we quit our jobs and we started Epilogue to be a platform where people can create their own estate planning documents online. Uh, And so if you are in Ontario, that could be just a will or a will and your powers of attorney. In the other provinces, the the incapacity documents go by different names, but it's the same idea. It's it's sort of creating an estate plan that will protect you both uh, in the event of death or incapacity. And the process is fairly simple. You go online, you you click get started on the website. It's going to walk you through a series of questions, um, collecting all the information that we need. People are often surprised to find out that there's actually not so much information that we need or that you need to help someone prepare a will. And so we ask the questions, we get the information, and then those documents are generated immediately. Uh, You can come back and change them. So as life changes and, and your circumstances change, uh, you know, if that's two months or two years or 10 years later, you want to come in and update it. You want to change the executor, or, you know, change the guardian, or, you know, you've had another child and you want to, uh, you know, put their name in the will and, and, and have them be included in the distribution. Uh, those are things that you can come back and do. Mm-hmm. Is there a fee if somebody wants to go back on and update their will? There's not. So, okay, uh, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a one-time fee. Uh, and then it's unlimited updates after that. That's great. I imagine that's different than the traditional approach where you have a lawyer and then, oh, you want updated. So now you have to set up time with a lawyer. Now you're getting billed hourly. You've got to arrange all the logistics around the meeting as opposed to just, like I'm assuming with the, your platform with that blog, you can just log in. You see what you put in last time. 
and then you can make the changes right there on the spot and then they're active right away. Is that how it works? Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you come back, you make the change. So a will still needs to be uh, printed and signed. It, needs, it still needs a physical signature. So when you go through and do it the first time, you're going to either print the documents at home. We have a, a printing service where we'll print it and mail it to you. But ultimately, you'll follow the signing instructions. You'll sign your will to make it legally binding. Now, if you mm-hmm. come back online uh, to make a change, you're going to have to regenerate those documents on our system and then reprint them and re-sign them. Because mm-hmm. if you've got a signed one sitting in your in your bedside table and then you've gone online and made some changes, those changes don't you know don't have any effect on the document that's sitting in your in your bedside table. So you regenerate, you reprint, you resign, and then um, the way it works is that your new will automatically revokes any earlier will. So this will be your single last will and testament, the one that you have, uh, and that's what and that's what you'll have going forward. And you know, if or until you decide you want to make some more changes. Okay. So the process for updating is you would basically end up tearing up your old one, replacing it with that new signed one, um, putting it you know, somewhere safe in your home, I guess, telling whoever the executor is or, or, or family where it is, if something ever was to happen, would that be the right way to do it? Yeah, exactly. So okay. you, you print off the new one, you sign it, you have it, that's your new one. You go, you know, most people will tear up their old one just to make sure that there's no confusion or, um, mm-hmm. and then, yeah, of course you, you let your loved ones know where it is. Um, you know, sometimes people ask if they send their wills to us or if they send them somewhere else. You know, the answer is, is no. You keep it. You keep it wherever you keep your important stuff. Uh, you know, fireproof and waterproof is the best in case something were to happen. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, you keep it wherever you keep your important documents. You let your loved ones know where it is so that they can find it when they need to. Okay, awesome. And I'm going to be linking out to to the tools you guys have and your, your site uh, on, on buildwealthcanada.ca. But just for everybody listening, can you tell us the, the URL that we can go to to check it out and, and see, um, basically get everything set up for you guys? Yes, absolutely. So it's epilogwills.com. So E-P-I-L-O-G-U-E-W-I-L-L-S.com. Okay, awesome. Uh, and yeah, I'll mention, we can mention it a few times as well, just to make sure everybody gets it. Uh, but that's great if, in case anybody wants to check it out while they're listening to this episode. Now, uh, I saw an article on your company in the Financial Post as well about how Applog is the first online will platform to give its customers the option to include their RESPs in their will. So the registered education savings plans for their kids. Can you speak to why that is important? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, the RESP functions a little different than an RRSP or a TFSA. So um, with an RRSP or TFSA, you have a beneficiary designation form that you generally fill out when you when you open the plan um, with the institution. And with those plans, it actually can pass outside of your will um, because it goes directly to a beneficiary. With an RESP, there's no beneficiary designation form. Um and so the only way to deal with an RESP after you die is to include it in your will. And what you're doing is naming a successor subscriber. So you're naming someone to essentially take over the plan to continue to use it in the way that you used it. And so we knew that, that a lot of the people that are using our service are, are, are parents and young parents who are setting up RESPs and that this would just be a really um, important thing for them to have. So that you know, you go through the trouble of setting it up, and 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 of course, your children's education is so important, and you want to um, make sure that that the money that you've allocated will will go to that purpose. And so now this is this is sort of tying tying the loop on it, which is effectively dealing with it in the event that something should happen to you. 
Mm. Interesting. And I guess if you don't have that piece in the will, is it basically just treated as another asset? And so it ends up getting liquidated and spread to whoever is supposed to get, you know, whoever your estate is supposed to be distributed to? Yeah, exactly. It becomes wow. it becomes an asset of the estate. And so it means hmm. that um, if there was uh, a child or, or, or children that this money was, was earmarked for, um, and, and those children maybe are not the, um, the residual beneficiaries under your estate, or if you have no will at all, and then the distribution is, um, sort of by the rules of the province, it means that this money might not end up in the hands of the person wow. that you want it to. That sounds like such a big deal. And I mean, it's such a nuanced thing too, that I think, I, I mean, I'm in this, field of investing and all that. And, and that I haven't even you know heard of that. This is the first time. So that's that's really, really fascinating. Because I mean, you've got this money, you've, de- you've said, okay, I want this to go to my children towards their education. Something happens to you. And now that money could no longer be going to their education. It just gets distributed. And obviously your intention was for them to use that for their, for their schooling, right? So, I mean, that sounds like a really, really big deal. And I imagine, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you start taking that money out and not using it for education, I assume there are some consequences, right? Because if you, even if no one dies and you still all of a sudden take your money out, well, it's not like you just get to spend that grant on whatever you want, you know, and just get to spend, you know, there's, there's certain consequences of taking out your RESP for non-education purposes, right? If you do it the wrong way. So I imagine you get dinged on that front as well. That's right. The, you lose some of the benefits, some of the tax benefits yeah. of, of setting the RESP in the first place. I mean, it's something that we, um, did in practice sometimes, uh, Aaron and I, when we were practicing, um, but not not every time, and and you know, frankly, not often enough. And so, you know, with with epilogue, it's it's really straightforward because it's it's one simple question. Yeah, you know, do you know do you have an REM RESP in place for any children, grandchildren, or anyone else? And if the answer mm-hmm. to that is yes, you're going to see one more question that says, do you want to give your executor the ability to continue to manage this after you pass away? Mm-hmm. That's great. So it's pretty much in there by default. Yeah, I know when we did our had our will done many years ago. I don't remember our our lawyer ever asking us anything about the RESP. So that's interesting. I, I I'm gonna go back, yeah, gotta go check it out and make sure it's added. Yeah, I have to switch over to you guys. That's that's uh that's very very interesting. Yeah, because I mean the government they gave you that money to use for your kids' education. They're gonna want it back. They're not just gonna let you use it for whatever if if you pass away, right? So uh, those are those sounds like some really really big implications. So thanks for for mentioning that. I noticed too that you recently launched a free tool to create a social media will. Can you talk about what that is, why it's important, and where can we go to have one created for free? Yeah, absolutely. So that's I mean that's really recent. That was just last week that we that we launched that. So um, you know in this in this digital age. Um, you know, it's different than than generations before because we're leaving behind an, an online presence in a way that um, that just never really existed, right? So there's you're leaving behind a digital legacy, and we thought that it was really important that um, people understood that with with your social media accounts and with your online profiles, uh, in certain cases there there are some tools that you can take advantage of today to set out what your wishes are. So Facebook, for example, has pre-planning tools. On Facebook, you can decide if you want your account to be memorialized or deleted. And on Google, for example, they have a a feature called inactive account manager. And you can say, if I don't use um, the services for some period of time, three months, six months, 12 months, um, I want you to take certain steps. And, and, and provide certain information um, to, 
to certain people that I tell you to. And so as, as we continue to live more of our lives on social media and leave behind this online presence, we wanted to find a way to sort of pull some of these things together so that you can tell your family what you want. There's no, there's no right or wrong answers here. It's like, it's like your will. It's about choice. It's about making a decision. So for one person, they might say, it's very important to me that my Facebook account be memorialized because I engage actively with a community on there. My photos are there. A lot of my, a lot of my, my life, my memories, things that I treasure are on Facebook. And I want my loved ones to have the ability to go there to my Facebook page, to this memorialized page, to to continue to interact with with me, um, you know, people aren't necessarily going to um, cemeteries to grave sites um, for someone that they're connected with. They're sort, you know, Facebook is, you know, intentionally or unintentionally kind of becoming this online cemetery, right? There's some statistics out there that in in the next hundred years there will be as many, if not more, uh, profiles of dead people on Facebook than living ones. So that's a place where people are going to go to interact with other people that have passed away. On the flip side, someone might say, absolutely not. You know, Facebook is something that I use while I'm alive and I want it deleted. I don't want any trace. I don't want any of those things to continue to exist. Like I said, there's no right or wrong. It's about choice. So for us, it's about letting people know there are some decisions that you can make right now um, about how those profiles will be managed when you pass away. Um, and then putting that all together into one simple, easy to use tool, which is free, and it's free for anyone anywhere in the world to go on and say, okay, with my Facebook profile, this is what I want. With Instagram, this is what I want. Twitter, LinkedIn, Google, those are the five um, um, platforms that we uh, allow people to make decisions about. And then that's going to spit out a document, you know, a personal letter of wishes, you know, which, which we call a social media will, but it's really a letter of wishes with respect to your, your social media accounts and your online presence. And now a quick break to tell you about some of the resources you may find helpful on our Build Wealth Canada site. With the amount of questions I get from the show, it's impossible to reply to everyone. So what I've done is brought in two resident experts that you can speak to for free to get some of your questions answered. So for financial planning related questions, we have John Kalos. He's been one of the show's most popular guests. He's a certified financial planner and is who I use to crunch all our numbers before we retired to make sure that we have enough to do an early retirement and won't run out of money and have to go back to work. So maybe you're saving for retirement and want to know if you're on the right track and are saving enough to retire early, or maybe you just have some questions and want to make sure you have your finances in order. So John's able to help you with those kinds of questions. And he's agreed to give Build Wealth Canada listeners a free 30-minute consultation so you can at least get some of your questions answered. I created a page where you can sign up to get a free 30-minute consultation. And when you sign up, you'll also be emailed a guide on the top questions to ask when looking for a financial planner or advisor. So that's over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash John. That's buildwealthcanada.ca slash John. And if you have any investing-related questions, that's the area that I'll be tackling. I answer all questions from students of the investing course, where you learn everything you need to know to be a do-it-yourself passive investor and pay the absolute lowest fees on your investments. And it actually shows you how to completely bypass the fees that robo-advisors charge, which can easily cost you tens of thousands of dollars over your investment lifetime. And then, of course, you see videos of me actually investing my own money so you can see how to do everything step by step. And I'm just an email away if you have any questions. So these lessons helped us retire in early 30s, and we still use them to this day. You can learn more about the course and try it risk-free over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash invest. That's buildwealthcanada.ca 
Resident.ca/slash/invest. And last but not least, the other resident expert that I brought on is there to answer your mortgage-related questions. So Sean is the best-selling author of the book *Burn Your Mortgage*. He's been on CTV, Global News, CBC, The Globe and Mail, and many others. He's a licensed mortgage broker too. So I definitely also encourage you to reach out to him if you're looking to get a new mortgage or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal. As at the very least, he'll be able to provide you with a short list of the best mortgages that he's been able to find across all of Canada with the latest rates. None of this costs you anything and there's no obligation to get your mortgage through him or use any of those suggested mortgages. So I made a special page for Build With Canada listeners too, where you can sign up to chat with him for free. And to help you further when you do that, I'll also email you the mortgage checklist, which is a guide on the top things to look for and consider when choosing a mortgage. So the page to speak with Sean and get your mortgage questions answered for free is buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. That's buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean, S-E-A-N. All right. I hope you find that helpful. And now back to the show. Yeah. If somebody wanted to switch, I'll use myself as an example. We've had a will done many years ago. I'm sure there's other listeners of the show that you know have a will, but you know could be five, 10 years old. They've been meaning to update it, let's say. you know How... if because I mean, what you're saying, the social media will, the inclusion of the RESP, I mean, these are very important things. And there may be other life events that have happened that, you know, where you want to change something in your existing will. What's the press process? What's the best process of, of doing that? If someone's already has a will with a lawyer, how can we sort of migrate over to using what you have and taking advantage of all these things? So it's a good question. And, you know, and the answer um, is it depends. So if you have a will right now that really meets your needs, um, and some of what I'm saying is interesting in terms of the social media will, someone could continue to have the will that was drafted by a lawyer, come to our site, create a social media will for free, keep that social media will with your existing will, and now you sort of got um, both of those pieces together. If your existing will is not meeting your needs anymore, um, it's not actually migrating over um, in that your the, the will that was previously drafted is going to, let's say, be left behind, and it will be about starting a new process and creating a new will. Um, we can't take something that was previously drafted by someone else and then make certain amendments that you want, given the way our system works. So it would be about coming, going through the questionnaire, answering the questions, and then ending up with a will that meets your needs and your wishes today. That's That's completely an epilogue will. Okay. And then if you did that, then you would you just tear up your previous one, your old one from the lawyer, and then that's all you have to do? Or do you have to tell the lawyer or, I don't know, do you register it or anything like that? Yeah. So, I mean, you would tear it up. You could tell the lawyer, but it's not um, necessary. I mean, it depends. So okay. some people, if they do a will with a lawyer, they may actually leave the original uh, copy of the will with the lawyer. So mm-hmm. if you make a, a new will and such that that old will is revoked, it would be a good idea to let the lawyer know that, that the will that they have sitting in their vault somewhere um, is not your most recent last will and testament and that it's your wish that that, that will be um, ripped up. Just destroyed, yeah. yeah okay. Destroyed. Okay. And I guess that could be something as simple as just emailing your lawyer saying, just so you have a paper trail to, okay, uh, we now have an updated will. Can you please destroy the previous one that we did years ago? you know, thank you. And then you print off that new one in epilogue, print it out, sign it, and then tell your family and whoever, where it is in case something was to happen. Would that be a good process? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, okay. I mean you know, one thing I would say is we're not, we're not right for everybody. Um, there, there are certain people that we think um, epilogue can't do a good job helping. And so we ask certain questions through the process to find out um, 
certain things about people so that we know whether or not we can help them. So if if the will that you, I mean, what I would say is, you know, you can start the process with epilogue, go through, see if you end up with any of those questions that that will then show you a page that says, we don't think that epilogue is the right service for you, right? So, you know, one simple example of that is if someone has um, a child who is receiving government benefits like ODSP, um, there's something called a Henson Trust that you should put in your will to make sure that you don't uh, disqualify that child from continuing to receive those government benefits. So right now on epilogue, we're not creating wills with Henson trusts in them. So if someone went to see a lawyer and they have a will that that includes that kind of a trust, coming over, you might look at epilogue and find out that it's not the right service for you. So maybe there's one or two things that you actually want to change about your will. The best thing would probably be to go back to that lawyer because that that will is is probably still um, the, the you know the better will for you and your family. Mm-hmm. But for, okay. but for a lot of people, the you know the, the wills that we create are going to look very similar in some cases better um, than what someone would have would, would have gotten drafted by a lawyer and and you know better just might be because you know the will that you have was drafted 20 years ago and so this might be mm-hmm. the better will for you today right yeah yeah things have changed maybe different kinds of assets and or whatever the case may be more children yeah that, that makes total sense um, and then it sounds like in your wizard when someone's filling it out in epilogue it will sort of screen things like that out where if you aren't actually a good fit because of these special circumstances, it will tell you essentially that, okay, you should actually have a one-on-one session with a lawyer because this is not really a good fit. So you're saying the system automatically does that for you? Yeah. We ask those questions. Okay. We, we we get the answers and then we let people know. And in fact, we have relationships with lawyers in all of the provinces where we operate. So right now we're in Ontario, British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and Manitoba. And we're, we're going out to the Atlantic provinces next. Um, mm-hmm. But we have relationships with lawyers in those provinces so that if someone gets to that point where we say, we don't think that we're the right service for you, we'll actually provide you with a couple of different names of lawyers in your province uh, that might be mm-hmm. able to help you. Okay. Oh, and when you mentioned the social media uh, will component, what is the link for that or how can we find that on your site uh, to get it done for free? Yeah. So if you go back to epilogwills.com and you click on get started on any of the get started buttons, you're going to see the option to start your will or to start your social media will. And it's right there. And then once okay. you, once you go through, uh, you, you know, you can choose to do one, you can choose to do both. Um, but that, that's, that's the easy place to, to get started. Sounds good. Yeah. Because we were talking about it. I'm thinking, wait a minute. I don't think we actually <laughs> said where to find it. So there we go. Yeah. Now everyone's got that. And I'll, I'll link it out to that on the site as well and all that. Um, but yeah, if you just go to go to the epilogue site, you can find it there. That sounds good. Now, when we hear about wills, we often hear about also designating a power of attorney. And you mentioned that already. Can you explain what that is? And are there any other elements like the power of attorney that we should be aware of? Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that's one of the big misconceptions. Um, some people will say, you know, I, I don't need a power of attorney because I already have a will. So a, a will and a power of attorney actually deal with different points in time. So a will is a document that you create while you're alive that sets out what should happen after your death. A power of attorney, and there's two of them, and I'll, I'll get into that in a second, but a power of attorney is a document that you create while you're alive that sets out what you want to happen um, during any period while you are alive, but incapable of managing your property. So what you're doing is naming a substitute decision maker. So someone who's going to step into your shoes to make important decisions while you're alive, but incapable 
of making those decisions for yourself. So when it comes to powers of attorney, and as I mentioned before, in, in different provinces, they go by different names. You know, you may see enduring power of attorney or representation agreement or healthcare directive, but I'll keep I'll use the Ontario terminology because that's where I am and and that's where you are. And so in Ontario, there's two types of power of attorney. There's a power of attorney for property and a power of attorney for personal care. So a power of attorney for property uh, names a substitute decision maker to help with um, items of a financial nature. So who's going to pay your bills, your utilities, uh, who's going to work with the bank. um, And a power of attorney for personal care is naming a substitute decision maker for things that are healthcare related, um, personal and healthcare related. So um, consenting to medical procedures, um, where you live, how you're taken care of. Um, So those are two different documents uh, and those are really important. I mean, when I was practicing, anyone who came in really to get a will, and most people come in asking for a will because that's the document that they're, they're more familiar with. Everyone and really, we would make sure they got all three of those documents um, to cover off, like I said, uh, any period of incapacity. And then again, what should happen after someone passes away? So this would be like a coma, for example, or is it even if someone had certain, let's say, brain damage sustained, something of that nature where, you know, you're conscious, but you're just not able to make those decisions that's included in that, I assume? Yeah, exactly. So that's, oh, okay. yeah, it's, it's any, any um, cognitive impairment that makes it such that you can't sort of appreciate the nature of your decisions. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. Now, when we set up a will, how can we ensure that it's actually legally enforceable in case somebody ever challenges it in court? Very good question. So uh, there's, there, there, there's two primary answers to that question. So the first is, how do you make a will legally binding? So, you know, we get this question all the time. Are, are, you know, are the wills legally binding? You know, is an online will legally binding? So in order for a will to be legally binding, it needs to be signed in accordance with the rules of the province where you live. So in Ontario, what that signing procedure looks like, and it's changing a little bit with COVID, but I'll, I'll, I'll just sort of give the, you know, the very high level, it is that the will maker needs to sign in their signature at the end of the document and have two witnesses sign um, sort of in the presence of each other and in the presence of the will maker um, that 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 um, was done. So like I said, there are some changes that are happening as a result of COVID, which is allowing um, virtual witnessing. So witnessing okay. by way of, you know, FaceTime or Zoom or something like that. Um, that's, that's different in each province. Um, but very high level, you know, it needs to be signed in the presence of two witnesses. There's some rules about who the witnesses can and can't be. Um, but signing your will in accordance with the rules of the province is what's going to make your will legally binding. Now, mm-hmm. the second part of your question is about um, making sure that your will doesn't get challenged. So the, you know, the unfortunate answer to that is there's nothing that you can do in the document that is going to prohibit someone from challenging your will. Um, if someone wants to challenge the will, they can challenge the will. It doesn't mean they're going to be successful. And having a will that really clearly sets out what your wishes are, are going to make it that much more difficult for someone to successfully challenge a will. Um, but there's, you know, there's nothing that you can do in the creation of the will that's going to make it impossible for someone to challenge your will. So step one, if you make a will and you sign it in accordance with the rules of the province, that is going to be a legally binding will. 
that when it's time can be submitted to the court and the court's going to look and say, yeah, this meets the formalities. This is this person's last will and it was signed properly. Um, and that's, that's one part of the process when it comes to wills being challenged. You can't, um, you can't eliminate the possibility is, is sort of the unfortunate reality. The mitigation strategy is really just to make sure, like you said, that it's clear. So you don't want to just go and find sort of the cheapest lawyer that you can, who maybe, you know, cranks one out, you know, in a very short period of time. Instead, you want it to be either using epilogue or or someone that actually specializes in this, it sounds like, uh, to make sure that it is properly explained and not just like some template that isn't really customized to you or maybe has some vague parts in it. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, for sure. You know, it's important that the drafting style... um, is is um is correct and and um you know follows what 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 best practices are in the province where you are that's going to be very important also Mm -hmm. i mean a way to i'll call it reduce the chance of a will being challenged is to um sort of have equal distributions so there is something called um testamentary freedom which means that the, the person who's making the will can do whatever they want right there are certain limits to that um, depending on whether you know that person has dependents and whether they have anything in their will that um, you know contradicts uh, public policy, but the idea being, if you wanted to leave, let's say, sixty percent to one kid and forty percent to another, you're allowed to do that in your will. So, if you do that, though, there is a greater likelihood that that will could be challenged by the person who's getting less. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't do it. Like I said, it just means that. You should, you should know that you are creating sort of that opportunity. So one way to reduce the possibility of your will getting challenged, you know, when it comes to certain distributions is, is to, you know, when it comes to children, if, if, if that is an equal distribution, it's going to be much harder for anyone to challenge that will, right? Mm-hmm. And so one thing that we've done at Epilogue is, you know, for people that come through our system that have children, we require an equal distribution to your children. You know, we did that for two reasons. One, practically speaking, when when Aaron and I were practicing, uh, it was very, very rare that someone wanted to do something different than that anyways. Um, Mm -hmm. By and large, people are wanting to treat their children equally under their will, especially people with uh, young kids. Uh, It's really rare to to leave a a four-year-old out of your will. Um, So Mm -hmm. that was number one. And number two is because we wanted to reduce the the chance that these wills are going to be challenged and by limiting people's choice just a little bit um and requiring equal distribution across uh children is 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 one way that we can we can try and do that okay makes sense and then in what scenarios should we be updating our will and what's the best way to do that you you can already answer the second part of that question but definitely when should we actually be updating our will are there certain life events i mean having kids comes to mind in anything else that we should that should really trigger us to do that. Yeah, for sure. So major life events, like you said, um, having kids for sure, that's a big one. Um, anything that relates to your relationship status. So getting married, getting separated, getting divorced, those are all good times to go back and look at your will, right? Mm -hmm. If you're divorced and your will says that you want to leave everything to, to your ex-spouse, that just might be a Mm -hmm. time when you want to go and take a look at it. Uh, separation is really important too. Um, People often don't um, think about it, but the there are certain consequences in law when someone gets divorced in terms of what happens to your will. But if you are separated, um, whether you have no will or whether you have a will, in the eyes of, of the law, you're still considered spouses. And so 
if you mm. if you want to make sure that you know the person that you are separated from if you is not going to get you know some or all of your stuff that's an important time to think about your estate planning um you know any major life event you know if, if you receive an inheritance yourself and that changes your economic picture um that might be a time when you go and look at your distribution and um confirm whether that is is, is still what you want it to be um if there is uh if someone who's named in your will if something should happen to them so if the person who who you've named as the executor in your will passes away um or the person who you've named as the alternate executor or the guardian of your children um if something should happen to someone who's named in your will that might be a good time to go and look and say okay you know the person i named as the guardian <clears throat> is either not the right person anymore or, or that person um, isn't able to act in that role. I need to go back and name a new guardian. Um, same with executor. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the big life events. Um, and in some of those, you might come back and say, you know what, you know, I, I inherited a large sum of money and you go back and look at your will and say, you know what, it's, it's actually still the same. There's no change that needs to be made here. You know, I had a, mm -hmm. you know, it, everything was going to my spouse and then equally to my kids. That's still what I want to happen. Um, or, you know, with epilogue, you know, we've we've drafted our wills in such a way that if someone has children and they want to leave things equally to their children, having another child doesn't automatically mean that you need to change your will, right? If the language of the will says, I want, um, you know, I want my estate distributed in equal shares between any children of mine who are alive at the time of my death, it doesn't mean that every time you have another kid, you have to change your will. It's important to go and make sure that your will uses that language as opposed to saying something like, you know, 50% to child A and 50% to child B, because that means if you do have a third child, you need mm -hmm. to change your will. Otherwise, you've excluded one. Um, but those are all good times to go back, take a look at your will, see what it says. Um, and if, if it's time to make a change, then you make a change. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thanks for giving those examples. One that really came to mind for me when when you were speaking is is the if something happens to one of the people that you had in your will, uh, for instance, if you, I imagine a lot of people have their parents be sort of you know okay if I was to pass away, my dad or my mom will sort of take over and and will be there to execute the will. But then yeah, you have your parents are obviously older than you, so what if something happens to them? Whether maybe they're no longer mentally fit or or they pass away. And that makes total sense that now, okay, you want to actually change who that person is in your will. I can see that being a really easy one to miss, right? Because it's like, oh, we did our will years ago, it's done. But then, yeah, something happens to your parent. The last thing on your mind might be, oh, we need to update our will because that person can no longer be there to execute everything, for example. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think mm -hmm. you're absolutely right. Sort of in this, um, you know, there's a lot of people who, uh, you know, when they create their, their, their first will or their second will and they're looking up if their parents are still alive, they're going to... Um, uh, potentially put their parents into an important role there. Um, and as you get older, you know, you might look at it and say, you know, both on, in terms of executor and in terms of guardian, right? Like if you've got young kids right, that's and, a good one, yeah. and your parents are still young grandparents, you might say, you know what, T today, if something were to happen, I think that my parents are the right people to step mm -hmm. into that role. Um, 10 years from now, that might be a little bit different. Oh, that's such a great point. Yeah. Um, so and and that's why it's important that people um, think about wills as a document that 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 change and evolve. Um, it's not about creating the one perfect will because right mm -hmm. the point that we're making right now, if that one perfect will named a parent as an executor, well, in ten or fifteen, twenty, however long it is, um, if you outlive your parent, um, 
then the people that you've put in certain roles aren't actually going to be there to uh, mm-hmm. to carry them out. Yeah. And you brought up a great point about sort of the, the, the mental and physical ability to, let's say, take care of the kids even, right? Um, if your parent, like you said, if they're healthy now, great. But what if you're contemplating putting them in a retirement home because they're becoming very frail? Maybe they've got, you know, some mental disorders at this point, right? I mean, that obviously changes who you want to be totally responsible for your kids if you were to pass away. That sounds like a really, really big one. And I can see um, that being an easy one to miss, right? Uh, so no, that's great. Thank you for mentioning those those examples. Um, what are the pros and cons of using a tool like Epilogue versus hiring a lawyer directly? Yeah, it's a really good question. It's one that we get a lot. You know, and the answer that we give often is we're not looking to replace lawyers. Um, we think that there is is a part of the market that right now uh, just is being underserved um, or that isn't going to lawyers, right, because of the cost um, and the amount of time. And so we think that there's for, for a lot of people, we're a really great option. And for some people, we're not a good option. And so the people that we think we're a really great option for are people that have relatively straightforward needs and wants, which we have found re- really is the majority of people. Um, so uh, relatively simple family situations. Um, you know, one area where we ask a question about this and um, people that we think we can't do a very good job of helping is is in blended family situations. So if you have a current spouse or partner and you have children um, from a previous relationship, there's certain estate planning that we think you should um, consider doing. And that, you know, that's that's a case where we think that you should go speak to a lawyer. Uh, mm-hmm. You should you should figure out how best to um, sort of make sure that you are dealing with the needs of your current spouse and partner and the needs of all of your children. Um, and and with a with a program like Epilogue, right now we're not built for that level of complexity. So for the people who have, as I said, sort of more simple, straightforward uh, family situations. Um, we think that we can be a really a really great option for those people. Mm-hmm. Would another one be if somebody has some pretty comp, you know lots of different business holdings? Maybe you know they own company overseas and then one in Canada or you know something like that. Is that kind of another area where things can get a bit more complicated if someone owns multiple businesses? Not in terms of you know stocks and investments, but just actual you know businesses that they let's say grew. Is that another sort of area where it gets pretty complex? So it can be. So when it comes to businesses uh, in Ontario, um, there's certain um, tax planning opportunities. Uh, even, you know, even if we um, just think about local businesses, um, if, you, if you own shares of a private company um, and you go and see a lawyer, there's probably going to be a discussion about some tax planning opportunities. So depending on what the value of that company is uh, and the likelihood that you're going to continue to hold those shares on the date of your death, um, there's a uh, probate planning strategy which involves two wills, creating two wills for one person, a primary will and a secondary will. And really what you're, you know, you're separating out um, your non-business assets from your business assets. It's it's uh, complicated, although it's it's commonplace if you're dealing with you know estate planning specialists and lawyers that do this all the time. Um, so, if you have that kind of asset mix and you have those businesses, it doesn't mean that creating one will is wrong or bad. Uh, it just might not be optimized. So that's mm-hmm. a decision that people can make for themselves. Um, you know, how much uh, 
how much importance do I put in the the you know the the time and the cost and the convenience of an option like Epilogue versus do I want to go to a lawyer and spend more money? Um, but again, depending on the value of your business and what you hold, you may get a ton of value out of that. Right. Um, and so when it comes to businesses, we don't tell people if you have a business, you should not use Epilogue because again, the planning can work. It might not be optimized from a tax uh, and estate planning perspective. That's mm-hmm. a decision that people can make for themselves. Gotcha. And that's where you can get to a sort of an estate financial planning specialist, uh, someone like that, that can then sort of crunch the numbers, do the taxes for you, run the different scenarios, and they can probably advise you on, on how complex need to be. Because there's actual like estate planning specialists, right, that deal with things from a financial tax perspective. So yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, we hear, we um, hear it a lot from doctors who have professional corporations who come mm, and say, right. know, someone told me I need two wills. Um, because I'm a doctor and I have a company. And so, you know, the, you know, the question when I was practicing that we would ask is, you know, is there, you know, what's the value of that company? Um, and, and, you know, is it, is it just cash that's sitting in there or, you know, is there, would someone buy the shares of that company if that's even possible? And so sometimes when you get down to it, you realize like, oh, th- th- this is not the situation that merits having two wills necessarily. Okay. Especially if you're going to be spending sort of more and that much more to put that in place. Um, it, it, it becomes somewhat of a math question. Um, mm-hmm. And so people don't need two wills. For a lot of people, it makes great sense. And for those, it's a no-brainer to do. And for others, um, it's a little less sort of obvious. Um, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. And are there any clauses that you think are especially critical to have in a will to prevent issues and conflicts in the future? You already mentioned so that splitting the assets evenly among the kids to prevent maybe one of them challenging it potentially and, and maybe that holding up. Are there any other clauses that you think are very important? Yeah. So, I mean, there's, there, there's a lot, right. Um, and the, you know, the, the, the form of will that is sort of, I'll say widely used, right. Among um, estate planning practitioners um, and that, and that, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's derivations of it, but when it comes to the administrative provisions, there's a lot of administrative provisions that are really important to include. Um, and, and, and that's why those are the ones that get included time and time again, right? Sometimes it may seem like it's sort of boilerplate that's just sort of put on the end of the will, but that's sort of years and years of, of practice and experience in the estate planning bar of saying, these are the really important provisions that need to be in there. You know, one that we're seeing more and more lately is with respect to digital assets. Um, so, you know, a will that was drafted 20 years ago likely wouldn't have uh, a provision in there that stipulated that your executor had specific powers with respect to your digital assets because people didn't really have um, all that much in the way of digital assets. But now if you've got uh, a website, you've got domain names, you've got accounts and profiles, um, you know, you got a, you got a podcast, um, things like that, it's, it's actually going to now be really important. People are earning revenue, right, through mm-hmm. these um, through these digital assets. So that's one that that more and more is becoming standard, and it's really important for it to be standard because, uh, as I mentioned before, as our lives sort of continue to move uh, more in the way of digital, that's something that's um, that's something that's important to have, so that you know specifically what powers they have. And you guys have that in, in Epilogue, right? You, you mentioned the social media piece, but other sort of digital assets, you guys have that, I assume, as well. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that's, yeah. that, that's standard. Sorry, did, did I interrupt you? Were, you? were you going to say some other ones, or is that kind of the one of the new key ones that we haven't really talked about yet? Yeah, I mean, that's that. You know, that's one of the important ones. Like I said, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's 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 sort of funny to say, but really, like all of the provisions in the will are important. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so, it, you know, it's hard for someone who who's never looked at a will before, uh, who gets it for the first time, to go through and understand, you know, the importance of each. Uh, okay. You know, for us, because we practiced in this area, we, we we feel really comfortable and really confident with the quality of the documents that we produce, um, mm-hmm. because we actually we actually drafted them. You know, uh, we spent years drafting really sophisticated, complicated documents for high net worth and ultra high net worth right. clients, and then we sort of pulled from that experience to figure out how do we create documents here that are really good quality, really comprehensive um, for the people that come through and use our system. That makes sense. Yeah, you, you've seen them hold up in court or not get challenged or you've seen them like executed properly. And so you know, okay, these, this is a structure and format and, and these clauses seem to work. That makes total sense. Yeah. How important is it to use an actual Canadian lawyer or service like yours as opposed to using something, let's say, from the US or another country uh, or one of those, you know, create your own will packages that we might see in a store or advertised on TV? Yeah, it's really important because, it, you know, the 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 differences across provinces there's quite a few and then the differences across countries i mean there's mm. you know there's a lot right so you know we know every time we go to a new province we work with uh experienced estate planning lawyers in that province so that we can understand what are the differences um what are the differences in the in the legislation and how does that actually sort of come through in the documents so it's really important that you know if you are you know in ontario and you're getting an ontario will that 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 is a will that was drafted for ontario um, you know, it's it, it's it's what's in the will. It's the signing instructions that are provided, so that you understand that when that will ends up before the court, um, which it will, that it 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 meets sort of the uh, the standards uh, and the guidelines that are expected. Mm-hmm. That makes. Sense. I guess it kind of comes back to what you were saying before when you were talking about how to make it not get challenged in court or how to make it actually be hold up in court if someone wants to challenge it. I guess that's maybe one of the points too is make sure that it's actually, can you, you know, use the service like Applog where, okay, it's specifically for Canada and it's specifically for the province that you're in as opposed to some generic one that you found when you Googled wills online, you know, or some package you picked up, you know, of create your own will package that, you know, maybe just tries to paint with really broad brush strokes and, uh, you know, and isn't really custom for your specific province. Would that be a good one to add? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, yeah. Okay. That's right. Okay. Awesome. That's good. Yeah. Cause I, I know there's a, you get so many, you Google something and sometimes you get things from the U S and it's so dangerous and, and easy sometimes to just go ahead with that. Uh, and you know, not, not maybe remembering that, okay, we are in Canada. Things are different here. There are different procedures. Like you said, even the, the, the names uh, like power of attorney and how that can actually be different, you know, among the provinces, right? So little things like that. I mean, uh, like I'm guessing, you know, they sound maybe little to someone that's not a lawyer, but it sounds like they're pretty important when it comes to how successfully a will can get executed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's, it's just mm-hmm. it's really important that the you know the documents that you have are appropriate for the province where you live. Yeah, yeah, that's great. And then I guess in, when you're in Nepalog in the wizard, when you're filling it out, that's probably one of the first questions I assume it asks you, right? Is what province are you in? And then it takes you to the correct questions for that specific province, right? Is that how it works? Yeah, exactly. It is. It's quite okay. It's, awesome. Question number one: Where do you where do you live? And uh, gotcha. And we'll know if someone if someone doesn't live in one of the provinces that we support right there after the first question, we'll let them know that we can't help them. Um, okay. If they do, then, then like you said, they'll continue on. And both the, the questions that they see will be tailored to the province where they live and the ultimate document that they end up with the signing instructions um, that that's all tailored to the province where they live as well. Okay. That's great. And yeah, I was thinking too, if somebody's listening to this episode, let's say a year from now, you guys are constantly expanding to more and more provinces. You're already in a lot of them, but if uh, someone's listening to this episode a year from now, they can still go to Epilogue. They can 
like you said, the first question there. And if you guys aren't in that province yet, I'll let them know. But there might be a chance that you guys have also expanded now to that province. So even if as of this recording date, maybe you're not in there right now. So that's uh, that's good to know. Like kind of a quick way to, to figure out whether um, someone can use your service. So that's great. Uh, how long does it actually take to create a will using Epilog? And for anybody that doesn't have a will or needs one updated, how can we get started? Yeah, so it takes about 20 minutes. Um, I mean, we've seen people do it in less. Uh, we see people do it more, but sort of on average, it takes people about 20 minutes to go through. You know, some of that depends on what your your family situation is. You know, so if someone is, you know, uh, single, there's less data entry. Uh, if someone is married with four kids, it's just, you know, some of the stuff takes a little mm-hmm. bit more time because you got to put that information in. Uh, also, it depends a little bit how, how much time you've spent thinking about any of this stuff before. Uh, right. As you mentioned, some of these uh, decisions that you're making uh, are challenging. So uh, if you've got kids and you need to name a guardian for your children, uh, if that answer is not obvious, it might take a little bit of time and it should, right? You're, you need to have those discussions with with the people in your life about, um, you know, who, who who's the right fit for that job. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and so those can sort of add, add to some of the time, but sort of on average, we say it takes people about 20 minutes um, to go through the process. And, uh, and at, right at the end, you, you know, you generate your documents and, and you have them instantly. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty, it's, uh, it's pretty quick and, and pretty straightforward. That's great. Yeah. When it's that fast, it's hard to argue, oh, you don't have the time to do it. Uh, you know, especially when you consider, like you were saying, how important it is to actually have one and how severe the consequences can be if you don't have one or you don't have one done correctly, or you've got someone that you did, but it's not even for your province and, you know, it might be challenged in court, that kind of thing. So um, that's, that's great. That's great. And I think yeah, it's good to sort of get these questions out in the open as uncomfortable as they may be sometimes, because I mean, they are so important and you just kind of have to bite the bullet and, and decide, right? Uh, because like you said, you don't want those decisions to be in the hands of basically the government because maybe they're the way they do it is completely different than the way you want things done. So uh, that's great. Well, well, thank you so much for coming on, Daniel. Uh, tell us again, just to, to recap, where can we go to learn more about Epilogue and uh, to, to try it out, anything like that? Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. It's always uh, it's always good to have these discussions. It's really important um, for people to understand, as I mentioned before. Uh, don't, sure. don't wait to create that one perfect will. Um, start now, make it mm-hmm. you know uh, make it today, and make sure that it uh, represents your wishes today. And 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 as your circumstances change, you should you should feel free to change it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can find us at epilogwills.com, E P I L O G U E. Wills.com, epilogwills.com, and and all of the social channels as well. So, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, you can find us at any of those places and um, and see what we're all about. That's great. Yeah. Thank you so much. And, and yeah, I'm thinking too, even especially now with COVID, right? I mean, if everyone's healthy now in your family or your immediate circle, you know, now is the time to do it. You know, do you really think you're going to have the sort of mental ability to focus on that if someone actually gets sick? Probably not. You're going to want to focus on them and make sure they're okay, that kind of a thing, right? So it's sort of, you know, it's kind of like insurance, right? You want to get it taken care of before you actually need it, right? Before it becomes this urgent thing that you should have done a year ago, right? So uh, so thank you, you know, for coming on and, and, and sort of prompting us and getting this on our radar, uh, especially when it takes this little time to get such an important thing uh, completed. So uh, yeah, so thanks again, Daniel. And yeah, I'll be linking out to everything uh, that we mentioned today on on the site as well for anybody that wants to go. And, and yeah, thanks again. This, is, this has been great and, and very educational.
Yeah. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Yeah. One thing that I say to people is, is just get started. Um, mm-hmm. Once you get started, you know, just tell yourself you're going to spend five minutes. That's it. You don't need to get to the end of the process, but just engage with it a little bit. Start to answer a few questions. You'll see that it's really not as intimidating or daunting as, as, as you probably built it up to be in your head. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's that, you know, that, that first step is very important. And then if you need a break, you come back later, you come back tomorrow, you come back in a week, at least you've started and you understand mm-hmm. um, sort of what's involved. And then I think that, uh, I think that's just a good place for people to be. Yeah. Cause it sounds like on your site, you'd basically have an account, whether you finished it or not. And so you can always, you know, let's say there's a question you weren't really sure about how to answer because you have to discuss it with your spouse, like who's going to be the guardian of the kids. You can discuss that and then come back to it the next day or whenever, just by logging in. Right. And then you can finish the questionnaire that way. That's right. Yeah. All your answers get saved. So that's great. Yeah. Um, yeah. You leave, you think about it, you come back, you leave again, you think about something, you come back. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And for somebody that that's not sure if they're in one of those really more complex situations where they do need an actual lawyer, sit down one-on-one and have a really custom thing, you know, but that might take them a while. Let's say that that's going to, that could be like a multi-month project. Let's say, would you say, okay, in the meantime, maybe just get one done through epilogue, just so that you have something there. Like if it's between having no will at all versus having an epilogue one, you know, just to, just get an epilogue one done now and then maybe start investigating whether you need something more complex because your situation might be more complex. Would that be a good sort of strategy to go by? So it, it really depends when it comes to that because there, there are some people, you know, as we said, sort of in, in the blended family situation or, you know, children that are right. receiving government benefits that, that, we think are better off to get their estate planning done elsewhere um, and going mm-hmm. to lawyers. You know, there, there may be some people who have, um, who have private companies and we might say, you know, if you're looking to get documents that are tax optimized, um, but that's not going to happen soon. Sure. We think that we might be a great fit for right now to put something in place. It allows you to name an executor, name guardians for any minor children or pets. It may be a simple distribution. Um, but th- th- that is certainly better than having nothing at all, right? The okay, um, great. But, but yeah, it, I wouldn't say sort of blanket across everyone that an epilogue will is better than um, you know that you should do it right away. Um, mm-hmm. And if you do fit in one of those categories where we think that we're not um, we're not the right fit for you, that comes through in the first you know in the first set of questions. So you'll know really quickly once you once you start the process whether we think that that um, you know that we could uh, that we can help you. That's great. Yeah, I appreciate your your honesty about that. That's great. And, and like you said, when it comes to these sort of tax optimization things, I mean, if you if you're like that because you own a bunch of companies or whatever the case may be, usually those tax optimization strategies, it's not like oh, you meet with your accountant for an hour and it's all ironed out, right? Or financial planner. These can be very long things. They have to model things out in their software, all of that. And so, like what you're saying, okay, well, maybe if this is going to take several months to really optimized to the fullest extent from a tax perspective. In the meantime, let's at least have something in place just, you know, in the interim, essentially, right? In case someone gets COVID or whatever the case may be. So yeah, that's a great, uh, that's great advice. Yeah. So thank you so much, Daniel. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Awesome. All right. Take care. Bye. All right. Thanks for tuning into the show. A big thanks to Daniel for teaching us more about wills and definitely check them out over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash will. So W-I-L-L. And you can use the promo code buildwealth20, all uppercase, to get $20 off if you decide to use their service. So that link again is Canada. 
www.ca slash will. Also, don't forget about some of the other free resources that we have available on the site for listeners of the show. You can get your mortgage questions answered for free and get Sean's up-to-date list on the top mortgages in Canada from the 60-plus lenders that he monitors, and that's all free over at buildwealthcanada.ca slash Sean. That's S-E-A-N. You can also get your financial planning questions answered for free for 30 minutes by going to buildwealthcanada.ca dot ca slash john and if you're looking to get started in investing or are looking to optimize your investments and are tired of paying high fees to your robo advisor or your mutual fund provider then definitely check out my step-by-step investing course where i show you everything you need to know to be a do-it-yourself investor here in canada so that you can pay the absolute lowest fees on your investments and this can easily save you tens of thousands of dollars in unnecessary fees over your investment lifetime so to learn more and try the course risk-free just go to build wealth canada .ca slash invest. All right, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Take care, be safe, and see you next month. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Build Wealth Canada podcast at www.buildwealthcanada.ca. 